How do you feel about cold opens, by the way? Th- well, this whole thing has been a cold open. I know. And now it's really meta because it's a cold open about talking about cold opens. <laughs> but I think that's the way to go generally. Like the best stuff in the world has a cold, like the office every week was a cold open. It did have the know? best cold opens. You're right. And should we um, explain what a cold open is to people that don't know? I don't think we need to. No. I mean, if you've watched Saturday Night Live, you know what a cold, you know, in the office, you know, it's when you just, but you go ahead. What, what, what? what? I think you just. What do you think? Cold opening. (laughs) You just explained it. That's great. Yeah. Uh, Non-traditional. We're not going to be like, "Welcome to the Mark Explains Podcast," which we did for a very, very long time, dude. Those those uh, early episodes, we had like notes and scripts that you followed along with, and we were reading stuff to each other. And now we're just like, "Eh, let's just fuck it. Let's wing it." Yeah, I think we're I think we're better. If you know, we're getting better. Our content's better. Um, I've I've been trying to take notes on the best people who interview in a podcast and how I can become a uh-huh. better podcast host. So, what have you learned from me then? Um, you do a better job at facilitating a conversation without <laughs> over talking and uh-huh. interrupting, and I do both of uh-huh. those things. And I'm trying yeah. to stop doing that as much. But I get excited. I'm I'm impressed with your ability to recognize that. (laughs) um, I know I do it. Yeah. I know I do it. No, I mean, that's that's really good, man. That's really good that you you are very self-aware. Yeah, well, thanks, man. I mean, you you hold a better conversation. You ask different questions. And, I, I mean, I'm learning the patience from you, like, especially with this conversation that's coming up. Uh, with Blake and Jen that are on uh, this episode, um, I find myself wanting to chime in a lot, be- simply because See, of I'm who the opposite. I am. I, I, I'm. My problem is that I'm just not very interested in what people have to say <laughs> at all. I'm really not. <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> that's my problem. It's oh, a, that's and funny. I'm serious about that. Like I'll say. <laughs> The, you know, and so many episodes I've said, like, the problem that would, you know, the solution to all the world's problems is empathy. But I have not, like, I'm not naturally <laughs> empathetic person at all. I do not care. Like, I was thinking about that today. There's a guy that I work with, older guy. I work four feet away from this guy, 50 hours a week. And I, he, like, we talk about our lives and stuff, and he knows it all. Like, he could tell you my mom's name, what's going, you know, what's, like, all these things and details. And I couldn't tell you the first thing. Like, it's not because he hasn't told me. It's because I'm not listening. <laughs> You're not and listening. it's not because I don't, <laughs> it's not because I don't want to. I just struggle with, uh, I don't know. That's, so that's this is, uh, so this is what you'll learn from me is uh-huh. genuinely being interested so much in the conversation that you're biting your tongue not to interrupt. Uh-huh. And that is, that's my problem is especially like is what Jake and Jen were saying uh, in this conversation. I just wanted to dive in a hundred times, but I found myself honestly looking over at you and I'm like, no, I just need to shut up and just, uh, that's because Blake, talk. Blake, uh, Blake had it. <laughs> he had the whole thing down and Blake uh, is a dynamic no, individual. When you, we have strengths and weaknesses, and in that way, we're going to bring it full circle. We're kind of like Paul and John. We are. And, you know, we balance each other out very beautifully. We do. Well, 
Um, Which one are you? If you had to pick, what, are you Paul or John? No, I, I definitely want to be the more famous one. So I, you can go ahead. I'm John. I'm John. I want to I be killed. Fair enough. Yeah. yeah. I, I want, I I want a I'm song. Paul anyway. I want a song title in stone put on the ground where I was shot. Of a song. And I want everything. I want everything to be perfect, and I want everyone to shut up and exactly let me tell you tell you what it's supposed to be like. Yeah, exactly. Well, and also, yeah. like Paul still looks like he's forty five. Oh my, God, he's gorgeous. Yeah, that hair yeah. is that fake? It has to be. Um, I'm sure, but in the the documentary, it's beard full beard Paul oh, that you yeah. get too, which is like delicious. Yeah, like it's so good. Um. So this episode, uh, we talk with Blake. Yeah, this conversation with Blake and Jen is, is, is about mental health. We're going to continue the conversation that we've been talking about, um, about the importance of talking about the things that aren't really flashy and fun. Um, and you, Ashlyn, you, uh, you kind of started this conversation um, by a text that you gave me a few weeks ago. And I just think, I just think it's so important, the stuff that we're talking about. Um, it's, it's not going to be very popular. I mean, these are not going to be very popular episodes. Um, I don't know, man. You, I don't know if I agree. You said that too, uh, in our, in our conversation. And I think, um, think about it this way. Like we put a trigger warning and a content warning in every episode, basically, yeah. because we talk about something that could trigger someone or, you know, yeah, um, yeah. and 10 years ago. Would anyone have thought to do that? No. Like, were we putting trigger? No. So the world has shifted dramatically to talking more about these things. And I think um, you say it, it's going to be a, the less popular group of episodes. I don't know. I, I think hopefully people connect with this. And, and I think people are looking for help, you know, more so than ever. I think people who just maybe struggled... 10 years ago, 15 years ago, or now in a place where they're thinking, maybe this is a problem. Maybe this is an issue and I need to, you know, dive in and understand it more. And well, I hope you're right. There's more, much more awareness around that, that, that mental health, um, mental health. I don't know if the issues is the right word or, you know, people who are struggling with different things. It's so much more common to recognize it than it was. Yeah. So for that reason, I think it's, I think that hopefully these well, I hope so. Home and- <laughs> I hope that these are popular. I um I'm I'm not so much saying it's not important. These are vitally important conversations to have. Um just looking at the data from previous podcast uh um hosting platforms, these typically just don't do so well because people don't love to face themselves and that's what we're challenging people to do in this is to look at yourself. And so I hope that these are the most popular episodes because I feel like these are some of the most important conversations that we can have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could see your point that it's not as juicy, like it's not as sexy. We're not talking about like vaccines. Talk, yeah, or like abortion, right? Or, um, you know, you know, whatever it is. You're like your deconstruction story, like those early episodes. You know, right. those kinds of things. Q and on. Um, I, yeah. I can, or like simulation, uh, still our best episode. The best. Simulation theory. And I don't know, I don't know how that's ranked. <laughs> Almost uh, the very bottom. <laughs> if you're still with us you need, after this you need to. intro, go back. 
Dear God, go back. Go the, back. We, Listen. We, we land on the very secret of the universe. Yeah. Like we've uncovered and we unravel it. it together. We uncovered the um, secret, the mysteries of the the problem of the human condition. We we found and it. And we're all completely sober. Yeah. Doing it. It's not like we got baked and you know, nope. No. We uh we used our fucking tiny man brains. Our brain muscles. Yeah. And we worked it out and uh, we came out on the other side knowing the very secret of Universe. We did. Go back. What's that one called? Are we living in the Matrix? Yeah. It's it, yeah. Are we living in the Matrix? Uh, and that's a simulation theory episode. Go watch it. Ash, the, yeah. I'm excited about this one. But more importantly, yeah, man. I'm just excited to do life with you, man. Yeah. I love having you in my life, bro. Thanks for jumping I love, on. I love. Th- thanks for joining me on this fucking wild roller coaster of a life. Yeah, dude. It's been it's been almost 20 years, Mark. Yeah. We've been uh, we've been married, growing it up. <laughs> Never talked about the Beatles in 20 years. It's fucking wild. And, yeah. All right. Well, enjoy the episode today, peeps. This is gonna be an interesting one. You might need to grab some water because uh, things get heated. <sighs> Real hot. Yeah, similar to the no talking before the podcast rule. What other rules <laughs> does Mark Short live by? Pour yourself some whiskey so we can cheers to mental health. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> oh, dude, Ash, I wish you were here, man. I miss you, dude. Yeah. Looks like that's fun. I'm I'm not a drinker, so I'm going to I'm going to cheers my water. <laughs> yeah, let's uh, This so, is appropriate. So much healthier. Oh, should we cheers. take the should we like oh. get this out of the Is it's it not is it recording? Oh, it's not, is it? This is just Zoom. That's that's right. This is just Zoom, so cheers to mental health. Cheers. Cheers, Cheers, Ash. Love you, buddy. Cheers to you, Ash. Love you too, buddy. Ooh, that's good. Um, So, Jen, thanks for coming back. Um, Ash, I don't know if you remember, Jen was on a few weeks back, Mm -hmm. um, and uh, thanks for driving all the way over. Yeah, You drove over from Grand Rapids. Was it a, it was, it was okay? Not too cold? Uh, Cold drive? Yeah. Or <laughs> cold outside. Yo, you gotta stop. <laughs> yeah, because uh, I December, normally drive with drive my like windows a... down in the winter. <laughs> Grand Rapids is about Jeep as cold with... as here, if that's what you're asking. It's about the same. It was good. Yeah, it is good. It's warmer than it was two days ago, so then. Yeah, it was like 50 yesterday. Yeah. That was super cool. All the snow melted. Dude, you know, Blake. I opened my windows in yesterday? slider door yesterday. Ooh. Yeah, it was kind of a it was a mistake, but I was well intentioned in doing it. I think fresh air, um, yo, on the topic of mental health, fresh air, right? <laughs> like I don't want to get too off topic, but I brought my slippers with me. Oh. Why did I bring my slippers with me Here when I went to somebody else's house? You didn't you didn't notice when you opened the door to welcome me into your home that I was holding a pair of slippers in my why? Because these slippers. <laughs> Help me be well. So does fresh air. I Are you opened. Wearing He's wearing slippers right now. That's really cool. Absolutely. I opened my windows and slider door yesterday, and I went to the grocery store. But on the way to the grocery store, it started snowing, and I was like, "Man, I didn't." Because I, the sun was out, and it was like forty-five <laughs> degrees at one point. So I opened the windows, and then. But I was trying to get some fresh air, and I was mindful because I keep plants. Again, on the topic of mental health, things that help us be well, right? That's good. I'm a badass plant dad, by the way. I just wanted to put that out there. If you follow me on Twitter, you would know that because I was tweeting about it a couple of weeks ago. But I took my plants and I moved them back away. from. So I just want you to know that I was thoughtful 
I have my plants in mind. Because with the windows open and the temperature only like 40 degrees, the apartment's getting fresh air. Uh-huh. It smells. But like your pets. No. Your pet plants. My, you and so I didn't, I didn't want them to get too cold. Get chilly. Get, they're uh-huh. they're going to have to get slippers now. Yeah. Are your toes cold? <laughs> no, your, your plants will need slippers. Oh, I thought you said you were going to have to get <laughs> slippers now. Yeah, I'm going to have to get little uh, plant slippers. Keep them warm. A little, yeah, sweat, right? little sweater like they do for their pets, but for plants. I feel like this is a great introduction to Blake Karinovic that his joint. Dude, Blake, how long have I known you? Like, 2012. 2012. So almost, almost a decade. A decade. Almost a decade. Yep. Yeah, I, I met you at the gym, right? Mm-hmm. About a decade ago, we were working out, shooting a video for somebody. We shot a video. It was like um, one of those uh... for a program called More Than Hops. Oh, that's right! It was the basketball. It was program. a basketball program, and uh, it was built around, I think, mentoring and uh, people to like be able to slam dunk a basketball, right? Yeah. Well, I think the appeal to the kids was, <laughs> yeah, your vertical will. Uh, will grow but i don't know how much of that actually happened it was a fun video though and working with those kids was a lot of fun man but that's that's where it started go work out i was just telling ashlyn that um i believe that building is a dispensary now oh am i mistaken i don't know i left south lansing i don't come back very often when i returned i was like i can't believe of all places that but if it feels like home i'm not okay let me be clear i am not in south lansing you're in Holt. I am in Holt. I had to drive through South Lansing, <laughs> but all right, let's let's call a spade a spade. Mark lives in Holt. I has a, a very nice home. A spade might be a spade, but this is a clover, and this is Holt, which is vastly different. Two yes. blocks north, it is vastly. This is true. This but is vastly different. We um, did meet in South Lansing. Yeah. So Blake and Ashlyn, this is your first time meeting, uh, which is really cool. Um, and, uh, and actually Blake and Jen, this is your first time meeting. So everyone's just, yeah, this is, but this is a cool culmination because me and Ash, like Ash came to me, um, what was it like maybe three weeks ago? Um, Ash, you were, you you were just like, I want to do an episode on mental health. Um, and is after a short conversation, we're like, I think we need to do like a series. And after the first episode and we dropped it, it was, it was very clear that this is a, topic that is it's not very uh popular <laughs> in the socials like we dropped the vaccine and the abortion one and that was the most popular episode we've ever done and i'm anticipating the these series to be not so uh popular just because people it's just not it's not like a hot issue you know like but it's so incredibly important it's so vastly important that people don't talk about I'm going to interrupt you. Yeah. Because you said something that I think is is real important to um, to address right from the jump. Mental health is a topic. Yes. It's a topic. There's a difference between a topic and an issue. Um, if if you want to get into would it be like semantics, looking at the definition of things, both a topic and an issue are considered an important topic, but an issue. The, the differentiation is that an issue also implies that there's a problem. So when you're talking about mental health and you call it an issue, again, it's kind of getting to that, like you're nitpicking, saying that words matter. But in this case, words really do matter because by implying that mental health itself is an issue, you're also then including all of that baggage that comes along with the stigma and makes the topic of mental health difficult to talk about. 
I do think that the issues inside of the topic of mental health are what has made the topic of mental health so difficult to talk about. But I do think it's important to acknowledge that mental health itself is a topic. There are all kinds of issues that are associated with mental health that kind of exist under that umbrella of mental health. So if we talked about anxiety, or we talked about depression, or we talked about um, substance abuse, or addiction, or self-harm, or suicide, or we talked about any of those what we traditionally know to be issues, we're discussing the issues, kind of those things that have created the stigma, but they've created the stigma because they're problematic. But I also think that it's important to talk about mental health as a topic because we're really doing the topic of mental health a disservice by painting it with a broad stroke and just kind of saying it's all encompassing of everything, even though it may be. We're not, we're not putting the spotlight on mental health. We're not celebrating mental health, which I do think as a topic, there should be a segment of the topic that does just that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I, 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 I cut you off. No, no, that it's, in, but. <laughs> no, that's great. And I really appreciate it. Um, what I would love to do is I would love to, for you to share a little bit of your story um, about how you got started because you are a mental health advocate and a... Uh, motivational speaker. You've been doing this for quite some time. I've known you for a while. I love following your stuff. Um, how did you get started? Like, what what threw you in? Like, what's your story behind this? Because this is wild. Yeah, um, my story is longer than my hair, and my <laughs> hair is pretty long. Um, yeah, you, your hair is wild. Yeah, it's hang it's, on, uh, hang on, hang on, hang on. Let me see the hair because we recorded with Tommy. I shouldn't. Take, I shouldn't have said I'm not that, kidding. Right? I gotta see it. Tommy had great hair. I gotta well, see. Uh, I gotta so now see I this. feel like I'm competing. Who's Tommy? T- Tom was a. Because if my Tom, hair Tom doesn't compete with Tommy's, then I'm just I'm I'm just out here running my mouth. Tom had like this gorgeous hair, right? Oh, see, that's not me. I got real like nappy hair, but <laughs> I try. It's long though. It is just long. Let your soul grow. It is. See in the it, hey, whoa, I know the pain in the okay? hat. <laughs> Mark's on the FaceTime and in the hat. Listen, here, that ponytail I thought that you. I would have thought you had a shaved head before you did, like, just, just seeing the front of your face with the hat on on a camera, and look at that thing. Holy cow. That's beautiful. Why, uh, why would you wear to... the... Go ahead. Why would you wear the hat, man? It's... it's Look at you. I really like hats. <laughs> you look, <laughs> look, you look at good. You. I really like hats, but you know, the um, the the older I get, that my hair is is kind of an homage is that how you you pronounce the word? That's a French word, right? It looks like homage. Um, <laughs> homage. <laughs> it's kind of my homage um, to, uh, to 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 my hair, to being a forty-year-old man with hair like this. Because I think there are a lot of men who are significantly younger than me who don't have hair like this and wish that they did. Um, so uh, <laughs> um, this is this is kind of my way of uh, of paying um, respect or tribute. To my hair, but the other thing, Ashlyn, it dries when it's when it's wet. It looks good. It looks curly, and then it dry. I I look like Kenny G, but when it dries, then I I look. <laughs> I look like I'm Kenny from South Park and pull my hood over my head and lace it up. Um, 
I laugh because I have a friend that has really curly hair, a, a best friend from childhood, and I've always said I wanted curly hair, having very straight hair, and she's like, no, you don't, for that same reason. <laughs> it's, uh, but it's wonderful. I mean, it's practically already done. You know? it's, it's created such an appreciation for women because I used to buzz my hair. Man, <laughs> listen, so I think... When I met you, it was buzzed. Yeah, and I, I wore it like that for a long time. Um, you know, you can talk about the topic of mental health in, um, in, in different ways. There are definitely some heavier discussions, but there are also lighter discussions. One of the things that taught me um, how to take care of my mental health were um, really bad haircuts because I have an obsessive compulsive personality. And so there were many times where I would shave my head and then I would try to line it up. So I'd take the straight edge razor, I'd try to use the clippers to line my hair up. I'd wind up pushing my hairline so far back. I went to a job interview once at Ruby Tuesdays with my hairline pushed back like Stephen A. Smith. And this was to just be a server. And they didn't even hire me, probably because of the way that I looked, which was so embarrassing. But a lot of those experiences are what have taught me things like having an appreciation for women who have long hair and have to manage their long hair on a daily basis. I knew nothing about that. Um, giving myself awful haircuts, coming out of my home one day and having my neighbor tell me I looked like a cancer patient because I, I had like cut my hair so short. Um, that, that, one, that one caught me off guard. I was like, I was like, dang, Mark, when he said that to me, but I, I took it to mean I had a bad haircut. And it's just taught me to slow down. It's taught me to breathe. Um, it's helped me learn myself better so that I could apply that the next time around. And I really think that when it comes to mental health or just life in general, being able to go back and evaluate the experiences. I used to tell students all the time, just live, live your life. Life is going to give you the opportunity to live. So live your life, evaluate the experiences and learn from them. I gave myself a lot of embarrassing haircuts. It resulted in embarrassing moments. Um, but over the course of time, I've learned about some of those things that led to those bad haircuts, and I've better learned how to manage them. So what I've done is I've taken this experience that I had in life that was less than ideal, but it was also kind of comical. And I've gone back, and I can use that now in a story like this in a more humorous and lighthearted kind of way to talk about mental health, but I can also in my private moments reflect on that and understand that bad haircut that turned into an episode, and then that episode that turned into a weekend of chaos, it all started with a haircut. What could you learn from that? How could you, the next time around, make adjustments to improve that experience in life. And it's as simple as a haircut, but it really, just on the topic of haircuts, it's much more impactful than just a haircut. Yeah. So I, I kind of got us off the rails when I asked you to show us your hair, um, which has <laughs> led to a great story, led it to a really perfect. good point. Yeah. But I think we're, um, I want to hear a little bit more about how you got to this point that yeah. you're at now. So what's that story look like? Yeah. How, you know, at what point, what did your life look like when you decided, I really want to be a mental health advocate? And what, what did that journey look like for you? Um, great great yeah. question. Yeah. Okay. So let me be as concise as um, possible. My bio reads um, from, from illness to wellness, hopelessness to success. 
So if I could put my story into um, a short bio, a concise bio, it would be that. Now, if you want to know more about the story, um, one of the uh, one of the y'all ever heard of a founder story? Yeah. Y'all know what that is? A founder story. Um, so a founder story for those who don't know, anybody who um, starts a business, starts an organization, has a story that has led to um, maybe an ambition or a purpose in life. They have a founder story. So all four of us here on this call may have a founder story as it relates to something. As it relates to mental health, I have a founder story about how I came to be an advocate and create a brand that um, I use to advocate. If you wanted to read my founder story, you could absolutely do that. Um, or you could just listen to me try my best to break it down and not be um, long-winded. I, uh, I had no intention of being a mental health advocate. Um, I had no desire to work in mental health. Um, it sounds, it, it, it almost sounds uh, selfish. It may sound ridiculous. Um, I got into mental health to promote myself. In 2016, I'd been graduated from college for about a half a decade. Um, I studied music business in college. I really wanted to be on-air talent. Um, so I wanted to work on the radio or work in front of a camera. I wanted to um, work at live events or sporting events. I, I worked as uh, the MC for the Lug Nuts for a couple of seasons, and that was a lot of fun, but I, I didn't go to college to, be, um, to work part-time. And so I spent the first five years out of college trying to promote myself as on-air talent. And oh my gosh, that's awesome. <laughs> worked with the lug nuts. And then also, Mark, while I was doing the thing at the gym, I, um, I had, a, I had a, a company that I started. I had a lot of student athletes from around Lansing that were coming in um, that I would work with and, and mentor. In athletics, my, my dad uh, was a college athletic director. Um, so, so athletics and, and sports is a, a transition that was easy for me or, or it was – um, not difficult for me to to kind of pick up and start working with with those types of people. So I worked with athletes and I did the the entertainment thing. But in 2014, I uh, I, I told the lug nuts, I I'm good. I did this for two years. I kind of maxed out the experience. I thought that I had another stepping stone in life that was going to actually take me to Grand Rapids, and that fell through. And I was kind of stuck here in Lansing. Um, at that point in time, things just started to fall apart, and um, it's wild. I hit rock bottom for the first time in 2005. I hit rock bottom for the second in 2016. I'm not sure how many people can say that they've <laughs> hit rock bottom twice in life, what but did I'm those, one of them. What did those two rock bottoms look like, and how did they differ for you? Yeah, well, the second one, um, kind of to the, the story that um, Ashlyn is, is asking about, um, in, in 2016, I had, uh, I'd been in, in 2014, things got so difficult that I went back to counseling. And so by 2016, I'd been in counseling for like a year and I had this website, I had this brand that I had created to market myself, but I'd never really been successful with it. 
And so in 2016, I started thinking about using that platform, using my gift of communication to begin advocating for mental health. And in 2016, that wasn't really a thing. Um, mental health has definitely become more popping in the last three or four years, I would say. Um, I think especially in the last couple, since the pandemic, really, when um, unfortunately the topic of mental health was spotlighted for a lot of negative reasons, it um, has has worked its way more and more into the, the um, kind of the topic of conversation. But I would also say that I think that is the right timeline because we've also watched wellness fitness nutrition all of those things have grown in popularity over the course of maybe the last 10 years um so now mental health is starting to become a part of that conversation in 2016 it was probably a little premature but i started thinking to myself you have a background um, both of your parents are educators. You have a background in athletics. You were an athlete. You grew up around coaches and teachers. You've always appreciated personal development. You also have this gift of communication to um, use your personality, use your charisma, and engage people. Um, I started thinking about how often I really wanted to have the debate about who was a better, better basketball player, LeBron or Michael. And I already knew where I stood on that on that argument, right? And well, you're not going to change my mind. <laughs> I mean, there's opinions, but then there's just facts. Um, what, what, MJ? Yeah, and, and the facts were the number 23 right? Um, in a Chicago Bulls jersey. Right, uh, or a Magic jersey. <laughs> yeah, but it's, it's not a 2-3 in a Cleveland Cavaliers jersey, that's for sure. No, and it's, it's not, not a 6 in a Miami Heat jersey. It might be, it might be in a, a White Sox jersey. Remember that short little season? Oh, when Jordan played for the White Sox. Yeah, I, yeah, I like... was trying to make the point that I don't think that LeBron could hold MJ's jock strap on no, LeBron's best day and Michael's worst. But <laughs> never, um, never. to the point that Ashlyn, um, to the question that Ashlyn asked, I got to a point, Ashlyn, where I uh, I was in counseling and I told my therapist, I said, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about using um, some of my own pedigree and skill set to advocate for mental health, as opposed to continuing to market myself as a baseball MC or as a as a on-air personality or as a copywriter, these are all things that, as I was also looking for full-time employment post college, I was trying to market myself. So I had an online portfolio. Was ultimately what I had. I said to my therapist, "I'm thinking about um, advocating for mental health," and he said. Why don't you call yourself the manic motivator? <laughs> it's, and I it's so perfect. It's so perfect there for thinking, you. Thinking, hell no, I'm not going to call myself the manic motivator. For one, my message is very hip hoppy, and I'm from the state of Michigan where we already have a rapper named Eminem. I'm definitely not going to go by <laughs> the alliteration, the manic motivator, and let people snap at me and call me. Um, Eminem or a, a wannabe Eminem. So I steered clear of the manic motivator, but the other reason I did it too is because I think that the whole idea of mania, although that's a very real diagnosis. It is. Um, and it's actually a diagnosis that my, my, my therapist, he said, I've, I've seen you for more than a year. I'm confident I can make a diagnosis. And so he used that diagnosis to also give me a nickname. 
Um, but I thought about it and I was like, bro, I'm definitely not gonna call myself the manic motivator, <laughs> but, but the mental health hype man. I, I'm done with the that. mental health hype man. Right. And I was like, all right, I think I could rock with this. And there were a few reasons that I felt that way, Ashlyn. One of them was because my message is kind of hip hoppy. If you watch my videos, you can definitely see the influence of hip hop in my delivery. And, and that's real, man. I was sitting back the other day thinking about how when I was in high school, I had a poster board. We didn't have like, we had, we had the internet and printers so you could print like cutouts out on your mom and dad's printer and then cut them out with scissors. But I had like the full blown poster boards. And then from, um, from, uh, what's, what's, what's the word that I'm looking for since magazines have like, like, um, issues. Is it? it yeah, I guess it would just be the magazine issues, right? Yeah. We started the conversation talking about issues. Uh, this is a different oh, yes. type of issue. <laughs> I would take issues of the source and vibe and word up, and I would cut out pictures of Tupac and um, pictures of um, No Limit Records and pictures of Cash Money Records. And so my whole room as a high school kid was like plastered with hip hop artists. I loved hip hop. That was the whole culture was something that I was very influenced by when I was younger. So mental health hype man in the role of, uh, or in hip hop music, the role of a hype man is to support the artist. Um, I'm kind of like, you know, 40 year old hype man guy, I'm making myself sound like Flavor Flav, which is not what I want to do. But <laughs> in, in hip hop music, the role of a hype man is to support the artist. And I was like, bro, you know, there, there isn't an artist, but there's a topic. And, and I feel compelled to, to follow this purpose of advocating. And at the time, I had no idea what I was doing. I was just like, bro, I want to talk about mental health. And, and I'll be honest with you that part of the reason I looked at the topic of mental health and said, this is something that I want to talk about was one, I could relate to it. Throughout my teens and my 20s, this was something growing up that even though learning how to take care of my mental health um, was not something that, that I really wanted to become like this big thing in my life. I think for some people, it's just like, yo, I grew up, I learned how to take care of my mental health. There were a lot of challenges along the way for me. Um, I never asked for that, but as I got older and I looked at the topic of mental health, um, I saw an opportunity to carve out a niche that nobody had created before. So I was thinking about it entrepreneurially I saw an opportunity to talk about something that I knew and it was ahead of the curve. Um, and I saw an opportunity to promote myself. Mm. So it was a combination of factors that really led me to where I'm at today, Ashlyn. Um, but to kind of you know put a bow on this, as I've gone forward with this purpose for the last, it's been since 2016, so five years, um, I've definitely found just that purpose. In 2016, I wouldn't have called advocating for mental health a purpose. Um, but as I have gone, as I have gone and better understood this, um, this message, yes, I, I, I wholeheartedly embrace the idea of being an advocate. Although I think that it's kind of played out. There are a lot of people that call themselves mental health advocates. Um, and I definitely embrace the idea that, um, it's a purpose. Uh, I, 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 tell people a lot that sometimes purpose is the product of things that we never wanted or asked for. 
Um, and I know in my case that mental health has definitely been a purpose that was the product of something mm. I never wanted or asked for. And so I'm trying to trying to make the best of it. And I'm I'm pretty um, I'm pretty specific in how I do that. Um, trying to treat mental health as a topic and not an issue. Trying to <clears throat> celebrate mental health, spotlight it. The mission of the brand that I've started is to communicate the value of mental health, which I think is a very non-traditional approach to that topic. Well, I think there's many paths to the top of the mountain here. No question. Um, you know, there's, uh, it, there's obviously you have therapy, you have traditional therapy that you go into, you have, uh, I mean, some people find uh, resolve or purpose when they go into the mountains. Um, some people treat it in so many different ways. And now here you are attacking it from a different perspective that I don't think many people have seen before. And I think that's really interesting. I call it optimistic mental health. <laughs> Which is, should, shouldn't be a, an opposing view. <laughs> no, but there's definitely a clash there. Yeah. Well, I think if you said to the average person, what is optimistic mental health, their their head might explode. <laughs> I don't even know how to explain that. Yeah. So there's a little bit of a, of a presumption on the definition of what it is. So as soon as you bring up mental health, people are thinking of folks in, you know, a mental home or someone who's just crazy. And, and it puts a bad mm-hmm. view a bad light on what the topic is all about. Yeah, no question. I, one of the things that um, I've, I've said for a while now um, is that one day at the end of the Super Bowl, when the MVP is being interviewed and talking about how he's going to Disney World, he's also going to talk about how him and the team um, learning how to take care of their mental health is what put them in a position to win that mm. Super Bowl. Um, I do believe that, you know, a few years ago it happened. Doug Baldwin is a wide receiver. I believe Doug Baldwin still plays with the Seahawks. Doug Baldwin tweeted after the Seahawks won the Super Bowl. Um, I think it was a year or two later. Um, but he tweeted about the value of counseling. And um, in a lot of ways, it kind of brought that video um, the video where I talk about one day a Super Bowl champion is going to credit their mental health as being part of their accomplishment. Think about the, um, the, the framing of that conversation as opposed to the way that we have traditionally talked about mental health. If there is a tragedy, we talk about mental health. But if somebody wins the Super Bowl, mental health isn't part of the conversation. That's right. Kobe Bryant creates this mamba mentality that that people all over the world buy into but what are we really talking about we're talking about the way that kobe bryant took care of his mental health now we called it the mamba mentality we didn't call a spade a spade we called mental health the mamba mentality but when there's a tragedy we call mental health mental health i'm trying to again put a celebratory spotlight on mental health so that people are what motivated to take care of it. It's not very motivating to take care of your mental health when you turn on the TV and you watch a news report about a tragedy and you hear the topic of mental health mentioned over and over again. Of course you're going to refer to mental health as an issue because the only time you ever hear it talked about is when people are talking about the issues. But what if Tom Brady talks about mental health after he wins a Super Bowl? What if Kobe Bryant talks about mental health after he wins an NBA championship? What if somebody who is able to account 
accomplish something significant within our society is able to say it was my ability to take care of my mental health that helped me win, help me achieve, help me accomplish. And those are not conversations that we have very often. Mm -hmm. And I get it that the reason we don't have those conversations very often is because the issues are the issues and the issues are what need resolution. So we talk about the issues. I also think that part of the solution to the issues is a culture of value. And if you can motivate people to take care of their mental health, I'm not saying that you can solve the issues, but I do think that that in itself is part of the solution. Mm. You guys met in a gym, so it's interesting to think about the perspective. Everyone's, oh, you go to the gym, yeah, cool, you know? Like, everybody goes to gym and it's a good thing. But you don't think about people like, oh, I went to counseling. Like, yeah, dude, you went to counseling. (laughs) You don't get that response very often. But it could be, it could be, and I think that's exactly what you're aiming for, and I think that's incredibly important. Well, I think, so I I brought you on here because I had a couple of questions specifically. I mean, I want to hear your story. I want to hear your message. I want people to know what you what you do and how you do it. But I also, I wanted to talk a little bit about um, <clears throat> this year for me because we, we are in December. It's, it's what? December 12th. So we are coming down to the last couple of weeks of this year. Um, we're going into holiday season, which is uh, typically pretty hard for people, um, or for some people, uh, it can be hard, uh, especially for those that have issues with their family or maybe no family. Um, and I, I think back to this year, this, this year being one of the hardest years of my life. Uh, hands down, I mean, probably it was the hardest year of my life. Um, I think uh, this was the year I lost my mom back in, in April, and I have never felt more alone in my life. Um, I mean, I, I'm not one that typically would say I deal with thoughts of suicide. Um, and for anyone that does, I'm, I'm so sorry, uh, that, uh, if, if uh, side note real quick, I just want to say this. If anyone is, is dealing with issues of mental health or struggling, please reach out to us or to a professional. It's so vastly important. Um, but I was, I was in the middle, I was like in April or May of this year and, uh, um, I didn't want to like kill myself. I just didn't want to exist anymore. Like it wasn't like I was going through saying I I I'm, this is how I'm gonna kill. Like it wasn't an active thought, which I think we associate like um, thoughts of suicide. Like and that definitely happens. Like people take themselves through. But sometimes, like for and for myself, I'm just a very logical person, and I was adding up the value of my life at the time, and I was just like I just don't want to exist anymore. I just like existence hurts too much. And there's just no value in me being here. I don't want to kill myself, but I just don't want to exist. And I didn't, I had no resolve to that. And, and I mean, honestly, it was, it was friends like Ashlyn and, and my sister uh, that really helped me pull through those things. Um, but what would, you, what would you say to somebody if, if they came to you? They're like, I'm not, I don't want to kill myself, but I just don't want to exist. That's a, that's a, that's a big question. Um, I'm, I'm very adamant about people understanding that I'm not a mental health professional. And um, it's not something that I have a whole lot of interest in for a couple of different reasons, Mark. And, and so let me, let me break that down and then get to um, your question. Um, 
I have a lot of admiration for people who work in human services roles, people who do any type of social work, people who work in um, healthcare. Those kind of jobs take an incredible amount of compassion. Um, and the individuals that, that, that do them, I, I don't know if they're able to compartmentalize things or if they're just able to slow things down and, and, and take all of the, the chaos um, in stride, but that is not something that I feel very comfortable with. Um, so the idea of, of being a professional, it's not real interesting to me. Um, and it's not something that I, I think that I would be particularly good at. Now, I do think as human beings, we all have a responsibility to lift one another up, yeah. to listen yeah. to one another, to encourage one another. So I think that that's important, but I would also be very mindful of telling you, one, I don't think that, that I'm, I'm built um, in a way that makes me the appropriate person to address something like that. I would also tell you, in protecting my own well-being, Mark, I don't open myself up to that very often um, because just like everyone else on the planet, we all are working through our own situations. Now, some people may find, some people may find confidence. Some people may find security in helping other people. That's, that's kind of like I, I give. And, and so I'm a compassionate person. I'm somebody who does well with other people's problems. So I want to put myself in a position to help people with their problems. Um, maybe I'm selfish because I'm, I'm, I'm always trying to keep myself okay before I look to do anything else, um, especially if that is with someone else. So when you ask me about that sort of stuff, I would tell you that I think the, the system is in place for a reason. And that, that system that we've created with the professionals, the people who are good listeners, the people who know the certain types of therapy, the people who know the diagnoses and who know the medications and who know um, the, the processes of healing for people who have been through trauma. That's, that's a very real thing. Those people are there um, to, to, assist, um, to assist us. What I would say is not because I'm drowning, but because I want to be a better swimmer. And I know that that has nothing to do with, with what you're asking me about, like, how do I, how do I turn this situation around? No. I, well, let's just say this. Let's say I personally, me, contact you. And I'm like, hey, man. And the, these are the things I'm telling you. I'm like, I, my life is just, I just don't want to exist. And you say, you need to seek professional help. And so I do. And so I contact a professional. And then I say, in the meantime, can you come and spend time with me and just be with me? And what, what would that time with me look like? Because there's people that are going to listen to this. And I want to put some tools in their tool belt for how that they can not only help themselves, but they can help those that are around themselves. And so when they reach out, when somebody reaches out to them and they say, go, first of all, seek, seek professional help. And then... In the meantime, in that window between the professional help and that initial call, I'm going to sit with you and I'm, I want to spend time with you. What would you what would you tell those people like how, like how, or what would you tell me if I'm sharing that space? How would that space look like for you? It's such a 
vastly different space, Mark. There's so many um, factors that, that play into how, that. How would this space look like for me? I know it's such an interesting question, but and the, the reason why I want to, I want, I'm like, I'm creating a humanity part of this question. Let's go here. So, Jen, what, what would you say? What, what would you, how would you reply or well, respond to Mark's hypothetical? Um, with, I had a couple things come to mind, but I personally have only had a couple experiences with friends who were considering suicide. Um, some repeatedly, some more like occasionally. But, um, you know, it's kind of a moment-by-moment moment thing, an individual situation. And I'm a big, like, gut-felt person. So if somebody does reach out to me with that, and I'm, I know the person, and I can say, all right, I know this person. I know they can get really stuck on something. Um, I'm going to clear my schedule and just be with them and say, what do you want to do? You want to go walk your dog? You want to watch TV? Like, let's just do something because... Like, I'm not a professional either, but I, Mark knows I train horses. And so everything in my life tends to relate back to kind of the, the, relation, the relating that I do with horses because I'm more of a um, kind of a therapist of horses. Like, I've studied the psychology of them, and they can get in a circular thought pattern. You know, so they, they reach, and even horses that have a past, and they come to me, and I, I have to break, you have to find a way to break that pattern. So in my mind, the only tools I had was that. So when somebody reaches out to me and they said they're in a situation and they're feeling that way, like almost what you said is, you know, they don't want to die, but they don't feel like they can handle the pain. Well, then I'm like, all right, we have to break the circular pattern because wherever your brain is going is running into pain. So the only way I know how to do that is to go in and be there and say, what, what do you want to do? Like, and if you don't have something to do, Let's find some. Let's go out and for a walk. You know, let's go to the beach. What what can visually or or audibly distract you from a pattern of spiral thinking? You know, it, and that's the only answer, I guess. Would you consider yourself a pretty active person? That got weird when I leaned away from the mic. It was like all. It's like I'm going through the filters in an editing program. It's like all of a sudden we're in. Uh, uh, echo chamber. A tunnel. Yeah. That's what I wanted to say. Echo chamber. Yeah. You ever be like at a loss for words and, and you're like, man, I'm an articulate person, but I can't think of the word that I want. <laughs> yeah. Tunnel. Echo chamber. Tunnel. Um, and we start shouting random things. By the way, is this pronounced LaCroix? 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 LaCroix. It's pretty pretentious. I've been saying that wrong the whole time. Well, it's we all say it LaCroix or LaCroix, but it's Yeah, like, yeah, LaCroix. LaCroix. LaCroix? Yeah, that's LaCroix looks that's, that's right. That's the French it's, saying. It, it sounds we are, better. It sounds fancy. Oh, wee wee. Vastly off topic. <laughs> we are vastly off topic, Mark. I love it. Um, yo, do y'all know why? Y'all know why um Nike has uh one of the best slogans in the history of marketing? What is what is Nike's slogan? Just do it. Just um, do it. And and Jen just talked about what do you want to do. That's really what it boils down to. Man, I, I, I tweeted something. I tweeted something a couple of weeks ago. I said, I'm empathetic, but I'm not a bleeding heart. Yeah. If you want it, go get it. You're practical. If, if not, the world needs ditch diggers too. And and I've I've shared that with um I've shared that before and and some people have come back to me and um they, they, they've kind of, they've kind of rebuked that. Like, like the world needs ditch diggers too. And the context that they were taking it in is, is that a, a ditch digger was a role player. 
And I appreciated that perspective because it was eye-opening to me like, okay, so ditch diggers are role players with, without people who dig the ditch, whatever the purpose of that ditch is, it never, it never becomes a reality. So in that sense, ditch diggers are role players. I also wonder if there's ever been a ditch digger who felt like they maxed out their potential as a ditch digger. And so when I say I'm empathetic, but I'm not a bleeding heart, if you want it, go get it. If not, the world needs ditch diggers too. You're going to arrive to a fork in the road. Yeah. And listen, by no means am, am I making it a black and white conversation because I, of all people, understand that it's not. I, 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 can, I can remember moments in my life where... I sat on a toilet with a kitchen knife in my hand contemplating self-harm because I just wanted to feel better. And I knew that I didn't feel well. I knew that I didn't feel right. I wanted to feel better. I was going out of my way to put myself in a position to feel better, but it wasn't happening. And that was really frustrating to go through that. So I had to remain steadfast in my belief that the odds can break. Mm-hmm. Um, this is when I when I first when I first posted the small steps, great distances video. I thought about it as learning every lesson the hard way. I was like, "Yo, for me, the small steps in life are literally learning a lesson and then reflecting back on it and saying, what did you do wrong?'" And then the next time around, I do all of the same things wrong again except one. And so I get it right a little better than mm-hmm. I had gotten it right yeah. the time before. And eventually those small steps are going to add up and I'm going to get it right. Mm-hmm. But I had to do it. I had to go through it. And this sounds callous when I say it this way, but that's really what it's about is living the experiences and learning from them. Of course they're hard. Mm-hmm. The thing that separates people who succeed from people who don't succeed is that the people who succeed get back up. Life is hard. Am I saying that everybody is is given um, the the same circumstances and same opportunities. No, they're not. Some people are dealt a silver platter. Some people are dealt a hand of dookie. But you gotta you gotta take the circumstances for what they are, and then you gotta put in the work to influence them. I certainly understand what it feels like to not be well, to be discouraged that what you're doing to be well isn't working, to feel like you're lost and you can't figure out what it takes to be well, to know that you don't feel well and you just want to feel better. That makes you wanna give up and quit altogether. It's not working. I've done this. I've reflected on it. I've made the adjustments. I've tried again. I've reflected. I've made the adjustments. I've tried again. It's not working. I just want to quit. I just want it to stop. I just want to feel better. What's the alternative? I ask people, I ask myself more importantly all the time, what's the alternative? A silver lining is still a silver lining. A silver lining is still a silver lining. Now that sucks in life to have to call a situation trash, but the reality is that there are a lot of situations in life that are trash, but those same trash situations are also an opportunity to flip the script and inspire. They're also an opportunity to flip the script and motivate. They're an opportunity. We live in 2021 where every single person on the planet is a brand. This is so annoying watching everybody use their social media to market themselves. It's too much. When I watch TV and watch commercials, it's one thing to watch a Walmart commercial and watch a Target commercial and watch a Meyer commercial. These are all 
all people competing against one another. When I get onto social media and I see every single person I know competing against one another because they're creating a brand. But this is the world that we live in. You have resources at your disposal. You have so much ability to influence your circumstances. So when people say, I want to talk about mental health, I'm open to the conversation of mental health. I'm even open to talking about the circumstances. And even though it may sound a little callous, ultimately it falls on you. Nike has the best slogan in marketing because it's true. If you want it, just do it. And even if your back is against the wall, even if you're face down and you feel like there is no turning it around, it still falls on you. So make the adjustments and just do it. There's really nothing more I can tell you other than that is what it boils down to brass tacks, man. When I used to teach, I would come like across these phrases that I'd never used before. Let's get down to brass tacks. And then I'd be able to drop a like, let's get down to brass tacks in the classroom. And I felt like I felt like a champ because I was like, yo, I knew the brass tacks thing all along, but I've never been able to use it in conversation. When we boil this thing down, that's ultimately what it boils down to is that there are circumstances in life but we have the ability to influence them. So what does that look like for you? I think what you're trying to say too is there, when you feel like there's no options, there are, you just don't know they're there yet. And that's what I'm kind of getting from you too. So you're saying you're, you know, your back's against the wall, you have no choice, you just don't want to feel pain anymore. Um, I like what Mark said, you know, as you, you, it's on that you would reach out. You would be like somebody, I just need anybody, someone to come. I, you know, like I said, I, I'm a compassionate person. Like if someone ever said that, I'd be like, boom, there. Just like, I don't care what we're doing. Just like, I mean, I, that person needs a person in their space. Great. You know, we can do that. But I, I like what you're saying also, because you're saying that what you think, what you perceive your situation is, is not reality. There are options. There are, there is a way out. There is a silver lining through time. There will be other pathways that come up. You're not at the end of the road. Like all of that is good. I, I'm a doer. I'm, I'm a goer and a doer also. And so like, I listen to um, I mean, KB, probably the, you probably know the rapper, KB. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, his stuff is like, yeah, dude, I love what he has to say. Um, hey, because- Ashlyn, have you heard of, awesome. ever heard of KB? <laughs> I, no. I, no? We're going to rock out to KB know. one of these days. I have, KB. I have never heard of KB, he nor is, do I know who KB He's so gritty. <laughs> I love the guy. Man, I, there's a KB song that I really he does, like. Hang on, hang on. KB does the... The, the hip hop is that what we're talking yeah. about well, hip hop K- KB is a KB is a Christian hip hop artist the, the hip to the hop um, the hip it hip it hip it hop all the hippity hip hop and you don't stop <laughs> rocking to the bang bang yeah he was beatboxing for me we, hey. could, we could do this hey. thing you ready Ashlyn let's go uh, I'll get the hi hats boots and cats and boots and cats I have a question so yeah. so um a big part of my story um, and how we started this series um, revolves around uh, I have a pretty intense anxiety disorder and I have a pretty intense depressive disorder and at different seasons and different times through my life I've um, sought the help of professionals but really only in the sense of like doctor like family doctor the guy I go to and then he at different times has prescribed this or this that didn't work so well this didn't work so well um and so i've kind of been in this 
for probably the past seven or eight years, this cycle of like, I'm going to try this medication and, and see if this helps me. And then it doesn't, and I hate it. And I don't want to do that anymore. Um, for, uh, for reasons I've never, I've never, uh, done any kind of professional therapy. Um, and in the last episode, uh, we talked about how I probably will, and I probably should. Um, and for you, Blake, it seems like a big part of your story changed and pivoted um, because of the therapy that you did, that you that you uh, partook in. And it, it seems like we get your story. You're obviously this very, um, you have a personality type that is aggressive, that is, uh, you're going to do you know, you're going to communicate with people. That's very obvious. You're going to, you have a gift, uh, to communicate well and to say things and to, for people to listen to you and to tell stories. And it seems like you were going down this path of, you're going to use that gift in lots of different ways. You're going to find the way that works best for you and market yourself and brand yourself. Um, and then, you know, you had this experience in therapy and then something changed and you decided, you know what, this is the thing maybe not therapy exactly, but mental health, right? That, that there's obviously a change that occurred. So I want to hear about that. I want to hear if you don't mind, yeah. you know, about your experience in therapy, I guess, what, what made you decide like, okay, I'm need it. I need therapy or I'm, I'm going to make that choice to, to do that for myself. And then what happened, uh, in, in that experience that, that made you decide mental health is the topic that I'm going to devote um, my career to yeah um let's let's go around the horn i got a i got a question for you what what age was blake when he first um saw a counselor ass seven seven okay ten ten man this is tough i mean um your cognitive development starts at three. Your world construct begins between four and seven. Leave it to market. She's getting so to scientific over here. Have, I was nine. I was nine. I was getting. I was gonna say I, ten. I was gonna say I ten. Said ten. Jen said. You would have to go one lower if I was Bob Barker, and then you'd have said nine, and you'd have been ding, 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 spot on. So, Mark, come on up. You get to play Plinko now. Yeah, I want to I spin the wheel. How many how many bills is Mark going to leave with today? I was nine years old when when uh, my mom first took me to counseling. Um, I don't know how long I was in counseling at nine years old, that was third grade for me. I think it was when I started showing some signs of um, kind of emotional um, challenges, just managing my emotions. Um, 16, I believe it was 16 or 17 was the first time I went to a psychiatric hospital. Um, I was hospitalized between the age of 16 and 24 probably a dozen times um i was in and out of jail between the age of 16 and 24 um i took dozens and dozens of different medications and combinations um so my my teens and my 20s were um something that when i when i talked about my exposure to mental health and in my 
family's exposure to mental health because this was not just something that I was going through by myself, but it was something that affected my parents' well-being, uh, my brother's well-being. So teenage years, um, Ashlyn, I, I, I became familiar with mental health. Um, in my 20s, I, I was a punk. Um, I was a wannabe. Um, I just hung out with friends and ran the streets and made poor decisions until life caught up to me. And in 2005, I hit rock bottom for the first time when I was arrested as part of a drug deal gone wrong. So I returned back home in 2005. Um, this would have been my, my little studio apartment in a house that was across the street from the Big Rapids Public Library. Um, Big Rapids, Michigan. Big Rapids, Michigan. Yeah, yeah. You, could, you could Google it. You would probably hear something about um, Ferris State, Ferris State football, Ferris State Bulldogs, Ferris State Bulldogs play for a national championship this weekend. So if you're channel surfing on Saturday night and you see the Ferris State Bulldogs playing Valdosta, the Valdosta State Blazers, I think. Valdosta, Georgia. Oh, gosh, I've been there before. Um, There's nothing down there. I like to hear you say, oh, gosh, let me talk about Big Rapids, and you could do like a raise the roof or something, and we'll be like, yeah, that's where it's at. Um, Public library, um, cross the street, public library, Big Rapids, Michigan, living in my little studio apartment. Bro, I remember remember rebounding from rock bottom, and I would be in my little studio apartment with my little like 12-inch I had like a 12 inch white, it was a white television, my grandma. I got it from my grandma after she passed away. She left me her school bus yellow blanket with the silky on it that I used to suck my thumb with. Um, I still have it, but my mom was real proud of me when I went home over Thanksgiving. She asked me if I've stopped sleeping with that blanket because it's falling apart, I finally have. If I ever have a wife and I force her to lay in bed with that blanket, I swear she's gonna make me sleep on the couch (laughs) permanently or something. It's an ugly blanket, but I love it. that blanket and this little white television. And I didn't, I didn't have cable. Um, I had an antenna that I would wrap tinfoil around. And my clock was so messed up because I, I had just been um, living a crazy lifestyle that I would, I would stay awake. I remember I would stay awake. I'd fall asleep um, like early hours of the morning, I'd stay up and watch like Conan O'Brien. I'd watch Conan O'Brien start to finish on NBC. It'd be like one, two o'clock in the morning. And then I'd still be up like tossing and turning for another couple hours. Would you watch those infomercials? <laughs> Girls go wild, man. Oh, that was uh, old school. All day, right? Oh. No rules in Cancun. Um, one eight 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 girls GGW three one five. What was that guy's name? Joe something, right? Oh, um, man, those those things used to come on. Good times. Yeah. Um, so I uh, I went through in the in the early part of 2005, Ashlyn. I went through kind of this like detox from this lifestyle that I'd been living, and I would stay up all night. I'd toss and turn until the early morning, and then I would wake up. And I remember listening to students walk past my apartment because it was on the way to the campus of of Ferris State, the school that was was in this town. And I would just stay in my apartment and I would eat oatmeal and watch Jeopardy. 
And um, I started drinking water instead of soda. I'd go to the grocery store and I'd buy water instead of soda. And I started eating salad instead of whatever frozen food I would eat. And I started going outside. I started raking leaves in the front yard and um, just like uh, picking weeds out of the, the little garden bed. And I was just getting sunlight. I'd sweep the, the pathway. And then I started moving my body. Um, my dad has been a runner all my life. And I was like, man, I should... I should just start running. I was like, it would help me get healthy again. And I live in a pretty small town and I can almost promise you that somebody I know would see me out running and they'd tell my parents and they'd be like, what's going on with your son? Cause he's been riding the struggle bus for like the last decade <laughs> and now I'm out here running around town. Um, so I, uh, I had a pretty long journey to rock bottom the first time around. And um, I had a pretty lengthy comeback from rock bottom. Um, so, so to answer your question, Ashlyn, like how how I I got to where I'm at, I wouldn't I wouldn't tell you that it was specifically counseling or the traditional form of counseling. I figured out my own version of counseling. Um, I've definitely used traditional counseling, going in and talking to a, a psychiatrist or. Um, I do know this much. I'm not a professional, but psychiatrists are able to prescribe medicine. Psychologists are just trained to, um, you know, work work through trauma with therapies, sure. but sure. they're not going to write you a script for any sort of medication. Um, so I've, I've worked with psychologists and I've worked with psychiatrists, um, but it was really me through living my experiences, reflecting on them and learning from them that helped me figure out what works for me. The most therapeutic thing in the world, Ashlyn, the most therapeutic thing I've ever found for me personally is running. I love to run. And a lot of my friends are athletes. I can tell you at 40, I don't know, maybe I shouldn't still think of myself as an athlete, but I definitely thought of myself yeah, as are, an athlete in my 20s dude, and 30s. I'm a breath away from 40, and I am 100% an athlete. 100%. Don't take this away from me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it wasn't earlier in life, and I am right now. So. so I've got friends who are athletes, and they would tell me, like, man, if there wasn't a ball involved, I wouldn't run. Um, <laughs> they're athletes, and they don't like running. Now, there are some people who are athletes and love running. I enjoy running, man. I also have an addictive personality and there is nothing um, that I've found like running. When when you hear somebody talk about the runner's high, it's real. A runner's high is real. Um, I have a mentor who uses the acronym DOSE, dopamine, oxytocin, serotonin, and endorphins. Mark, maybe you should take this one because you're the chemist, but those are all compounds, right? Those are all hormones. Hormones, And, And our bodies release those chemicals when we do things like exercise or have fellowship with other people. Or gamble, yeah. Gamble, um, <laughs> risk it all, you know, uh, push the limits. Yeah, adrenaline rush. adrenaline in there somewhere. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, Love the adrenaline. I would probably say um, it, well, what it sounds like your journey is here was a mix of it all. It was your path of, of the psychologist and psychiatrist and then also finding yourself on your own. It was a culmination of everything and probably I would – I would even venture to say that it, it would be important for anyone to f- also find that path and to try all of those things, to to dive into therapy, to dive into sweeping the porch, into going for a run. And if they hate running as much as I do, because I 
hate running. <laughs> Have you seen my legs? They are tiny and they do not like to run. But I do it, but I, there's no therapy in it. I, it makes me more angry. It's, it's like anti-therapy. So it doesn't work for you. <laughs> yeah. But but I have found but I have found my I have found a different path and or a, well a, a, a different um, methadone. I have found a, a different methadone for the in a sense quote therapy. A different fix. Yeah. You remember Black Street? Black Street had an album. They said if you need a fix. Oh yeah. If you know Black Street, y'all don't, neither one of you remember Black Street? Well, they had one hit, and uh, they had one album, and everyone, no one else remembers any of the other songs besides you, so congratulations. <laughs> if it's not No Diggity, nobody's singing it. <laughs> All right, man, so I can tell that you've watched Pitch Perfect. Um, Black Street, I though, love was, was a, <laughs> Black Street was a hell it's of a, a group. Um, it is a good movie, yeah. Uh, it's 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 a combination, and it's something that is going to work. How, what do, what do y'all do? Like I, I I mean, so listen. Well, Ashley um, knows what I do because we talk about it every single episode. Podcasting. Furious masturbation. I think <laughs> vicious. Yeah, vicious. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> which doesn't sound pleasant. Unrelenting. Everyone needs something. Unru- oh, unru- everyone needs angry. a hobby, right? Yeah, I mean, Screaming I guess if you were a Viking, you know, <laughs> just. <laughs> I like how it's vicious. Going to <laughs> plunder and the pillage. Ad- the adjectives are interesting. What do you do, Ash? Pummel myself later. <laughs> what do I do? Yeah. Well, that's the problem. That's why I'm here, because I mostly just spiral out of control and then eat Hot Pockets. Or, uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't have I don't have good coping mechanisms. Which well, think of it I'm, like this. I'm, First of all, think of it like this, because I hate the word coping. I, I hate the word coping. The reason that I hate the word coping is because I feel like in dare that's what they taught us coping their coping mechanisms and then they'd watch us they'd they'd have us watch like um uh what 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 did what did we used to watch a slideshow right with like they'd bring the little carousel in and then we'd watch like a slideshow um we're really connecting with the younger listeners aren't we mark killing the game so dare was drug abuse resistance education where they brought in changed it a few times Oh yeah, they did. They changed what the acronym meant over over. I don't know. That it was it was a di- it was a bunch of different things. So they they talked the to us about well, <laughs> coping. They they'd show us a slideshow and it'd be like somebody who was floating along the ceiling and well, saying that like Marty likes to get high, but after the high goes away, Marty comes down. Well, I think that they brought those people in, and more than anything else, especially if, like for myself, I remember in ninth grade and in public health class or whatever that class was. They brought in, and they brought in a you know a police officer or whoever it was, and I remember thinking, what is no what you know, like what is marijuana? I didn't even know, and all of a sudden now I'm super curious. Like I think <laughs> I think Dare, the program they had opened the can of worms. Vi- like yeah, vicious counteractive measures where it spiraled people into drugs that probably would not have gone in that direction. Before the officer was like, don't do this or it's really bad. And then everyone's like, I'm going to go do that. I think there's definitely something to that. Yeah. <laughs> so they, they talked about they talked about coping, though. Um, and I'm going to I'm going to get to uh, to my point. Um, but I will I will digress real quick. My first dare experience, uh, the dare officer came into our school and I was sitting next to here I am today wearing a Michigan State, right? Uh, Michigan State hoodie. I, I got my priorities. Go um, 
I got my priorities aligned. But when I was younger, I, 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 I grew up watching the Fab Five play basketball. And so I regrettably was a Michigan fan. But our first day of dare, I wore my Michigan, my crew, um, crew cut Michigan sweatshirt and sat next to Jennifer Cox. And she was also wearing her crew cut Michigan <laughs> sweatshirt. And then we asked the police officer about the, um, actually we didn't ask him about the handcuffs. He just decided to show us the handcuffs, but we asked him if he could put them on a couple of people. And so he decided to handcuff me to Jennifer Cox. And oh, so a couple amazing. Michigan, um, sweatshirts were cuffed up in the class. And then he started to tell us where he keeps his handcuff key, which was right around his collar. And he kind of pointed to it. And I raised my hand and I said, but Officer Sontag, you don't have your handcuff key on. And, and so he kind of felt his lapel and there wasn't a key there. So then Jenny, Jennifer Cox and I had to stay handcuffed for like the next hour in school. We had to walk down the hallway to our next class with handcuffs on. It was like on. a dream come true, wasn't nah, it? No, bro, this was, this, was like, this was like an omen of my next uh, 10 years of life well, so and how often I was going to... It wasn't a girl you had a crush on? Um, no, it was just a classmate and, and bless That's her heart, bad. man. But we, we wore those cuffs until the other officer came with the with the key and, and unlocked us but I I unfortunately had a future of wearing handcuffs um, more than just that day ahead of me um, but yeah man dare so here's the thing Ashlyn I, I, I say um, coping because I like to think of it more as management and um, I I, I, I don't know if, if any of y'all are sports fans but I, I love the game of baseball and and I've talked about this um, a lot that in the game of baseball, the head coach, the head coach is called the manager. In in baseball, the head coach is the manager. A baseball team doesn't go out to 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 lose. They don't go out to get dominated by the competition. The goal of baseball, being a team in baseball, the goal of the manager is to lead the team to victory. Management is about winning. We could talk all day about coping, but in my opinion, coping seems kind of destructive. I'm asking people, what can you do to manage? Why? Because I think that if you're managing, you're putting yourself in a position well, to win. Coping sounds like surviving to me and managing sounds like growth. Mm. Just in hearing you speak. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it really does. And I think... Um, Thank what? you. Thank you for saying that. That was heartwarming to hear you say that. <laughs> well, I think that there's a place for both of those things. I think sometimes yeah. the pain is so deep and dense that sometimes you That's just have point. to survive so you can start mm -hmm. to grow. Like I go through a small season of I just need to wake up and put my pants on and eat a hot pocket <laughs> and and then tomorrow I'm gonna do the same and then tomorrow the next day I'm gonna do the same and maybe on that fourth day. I'm going to reach out and then maybe on the fifth day, I'm going to start to sweep my front porch and maybe on the sixth day. So there comes a point where it's, I think it's, I think it's important that we highlight that every path is a path as long as you're moving, that if you feel like you're just surviving, then, then good, do that. And if tomorrow you can do one more thing, if the next day you can start to manage, even if that's just one thing, let's do that thing. It's like that country song. If you're going through hell, just keep going, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't, don't stop. You Dirk's and I. Bentley? That's Dirk's Bentley. I don't know. Oh, is it? Dirk's it is Dirk's Bentley. Bentley. I think. Yeah, it yeah. is. I had to drop some musical knowledge on you because I've been out here running my mouth about hip hop, but I had to. I had to show that I got a little I'm, bit of I'm country. I'm embarrassed. Oh, country. <laughs> it's good. It's good. 
I think that I think it's important to to note that at, at, like as long as as long as there's something being done, and even if literally, if even if that thing is just barely waking up, because there's some people that are listening to this right now that it's it's just hard to get up in the morning, mm. and and like to to be able to say, hey, you're coping is a step because you woke up and that's a beautiful thing your survival your breath is a beautiful thing and even if you do nothing else today that's good and tomorrow let's just find one thing and if you know in 30 days now you've found 30 small things to add and now all of a sudden you find that you're a small growth and now now you're taking walks and when a month ago you couldn't even barely get out of bed and then it turns into management and then it turns into growth and now all of a sudden you're reaching out to someone else who is barely getting out of bed and that's what we're doing here is mm. like i mean ashlyn you didn't ask to be born like you and, and neither did you jen like none of us asked to be here but we're here and we're all in this every every one of us and and for me to to reach out i mean blake you're so vastly different than i am and how you view the world and how you process things the same with you jen and you ash we're, we're all seeing different perspectives and different views of this world with all these different I mean, well, issues, but also different perspectives and different things that we bring to the table. And I, I might not be able to get through something, but Blake, maybe you can help me get through that thing with the things that you've learned. And I might have gone, I might be going through something right now that Ashlyn, you might have a couple of tools in your belt that you might be able to help me with. It. Even if you just showing up or maybe you just talking to me on the phone, that's all I need is just, I, I just might need a tool to help me get through the day. I love that visual of tools. I just, I, you used that earlier too, and I, I meant to say something, but that is one of the best visuals I think you can give somebody because again, it makes them feel like there's options, you know? Mm -hmm. So they have, if you say, it's, it's not that there's no hope that there's no forward, it's that maybe there's something you don't know is out there that can help you yet. You don't know it yet. Somebody else has a tool they can give to you. So that gives somebody, I think, a drive to reach out well, yeah, if more so than give up. If, if the only tool you have is a hammer, everything looks like a nail. Right. It's a good visual. But you, you might have, you know, an angle grinder. <laughs> <laughs> and you might have a screw. And Ashlyn, you might have a crowbar and all these things together. Now we can build. And that's why community is so important. And that's too. why we build. Yeah. But, like, if I just have a hammer, I'm just going to hit everything. And some things don't need to be hit. They need, they need a delicate touch. Mm -hmm. And hammer can destruct and it can build. So you got to use the tool correctly, and then comes to more education. Got to use it. You got to use it. Why we're here in a podcast talking to each other, sharing tools. <laughs> I need Mark to show me how to use an ankle grinder. <laughs> I, I literally have I, uh, one. Did I you have say one. Ankle in, in my... or angle? angle? Angle. I think I think he said angle, but <laughs> an ankle grinder. <laughs> Ashlyn, what tool would you would you be? <laughs> um, ham and cheese. <laughs> buttery crust i would like to say that um jen you said something earlier jen that i i've been thinking about throughout this conversation you were talking about your horses and had like the psychology of your horses um this is going to sound weird but i'm going to walk away from this conversation and i have i have um, occasional panic attacks as we talked about in the last episode the next time i have a panic attack i'm going to think of myself as a horse because that's exact like you they 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 have circular i don't how did you put it um, what the what the what horses do yeah, like a, thought it's a circular thought pattern and it's yeah, very interesting sorry that's me i have circular yeah. thought pattern. so so 
now I think that's an incredible thought illustration. Um, like, because I, I feel that way. I feel like a horse, like that, mm-hmm. that's getting all anxious and like irritated and it's about to, mm-hmm. I don't know, do, do something. Um, so then I just need to like go to the next thing and that's, that's what I need. But yeah. I just think that's powerful. That's a cool thought for someone with anxiety who deals with that at a high level. Um, to, and they'll also, it's kind of funny, like to think of myself as a horse. <laughs> and so it takes my mind off of the anxiety. So thank you for that. Jen. Yes. I think that's a power, powerful way to think about for sure. uh, anxiety and that's a powerful tool. Um, if I can add a little bit to that too. So I, Please follow, do. Yeah. I follow another podcaster. He's a friend of mine, um, friends with their family and he lives in California. His name is Warwick Schiller. And I think you'd find it really interesting to listen to him because he is a therapist of horses, but now also people because he's been related it, relating it to people so often. Um, so I come from the horse world. I understand that, but I'm understanding more about people the more he relates it to um, people. So he's actually talked about this on his podcast, but um, people who have anxiety, um, and his wife is one, and he talks about this on his podcast as well, and uh, especially with being like being on a plane, and that, that's one of her triggers. And so she had started this pattern uh, in, directed by a therapist to actually sit down and imagine herself in a, pra- in a plane and try to get her, rate, her heart rate up and actually try to trigger her anxiety. And then when it goes up a little bit, she works on methods, breathing methods, meditation to bring it back down. And so then she brings it up to her threshold. Now her threshold is a little farther because she's kind of felt in control and she can go a little farther each time she does this. Now this is exactly what I do with horses. I actually did today with a horse because she didn't like clippers up between her ears. And so I go up to a point where her threshold is, where she her head comes up and she's anxious, but she's not over her threshold in a point of uh, getting stuck in that mindset. And I wait at that threshold until she starts to relax and then I take the pressure away and she feels in control. And so every time you go back to that threshold, it's moved a little bit. I don't know if that makes any sense, but it was very interesting when this trainer talked about it because I could relate um, to some of my own anxiety issues uh, that I've had in the past and also to the horses. So I just want to illustrate that story came to mind as soon as you started talking, and I don't know if that's helpful or not, but I had to share. It was just very interesting exercise. <laughs> what kind of a horse would yeah. you be, Ashley? Yeah. <laughs> what kind of, I don't know anything about horses, so I, I don't know. Arabian. Probably. A, Arabian. Probably That's what everyone Arabian. says is Arabian. <laughs> I know that, uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm not going to pretend. I don't even have a joke to tell. I don't know anything about horses. <laughs> isn't, there's, um. But, is I, it, but I've seen horses and I've seen them freak out. Yeah. And that's why that's so powerful to think about because I've seen when a horse is like, no, I don't want you to touch me. I don't mm-hmm. want to be like they, they have this really specific like they look like anxiety they, yeah. in my mental picture of what anxiety is and what it feels like. It's that horse who's like, you know, making noises and backing up and like getting irritated. And I can see mm. that. So that, that's why that's such a, and you relate such a that. powerful thing. Yeah, yeah. Very much. Interesting. And knowing nothing about horses and yeah. sorry, I can't answer your question mark. I'd be a fucking whatever Clydesdale. I'll tell you what, whatever. <laughs> a Budweiser Clydesdale? The baddest horse. I, want, I, I just want hair on my feet like a Clydesdale. <laughs> I'm getting so many mental pictures. <laughs> there's a horse, horse named Bo, Bojack, right? Bo, Bojack oh, Horseman? No, Bo- Isn't there a horse yes. named Bojack Horseman? Yes. Isn't that a cartoon, a cartoon or something? Yeah, but it's a cool name for a horse. I've never seen Bojack Horseman, but I, he, he's got to have a good personality. He's a cartoon horse. And his name is Bojack. How can what you up? not like that? <laughs> oh, Ashton is talking. Now, scratch that. Jen is talking about 
learning from the from the experiences, man. What's what's the best way to manage a panic attack? Probably to have one and to have to manage it. Um, if you've never had a panic attack, you could read about them all day, but that's that's someone else's experience. Um, unfortunately, if you're gonna live with panic attacks or you're gonna live with anxiety or you're gonna remember we the other day when we sat. Um, Chopping it up, Mark, and I told you that my head is full of three things: song lyrics, movie quotes, and depression. Um, but but I've 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 learned, and and I haven't learned how to manage through the depression by reading about depression. Yeah, I've learned how to manage through the depression by going through the fire. Um, I I used to think I used to think the reason I was depressed. I used to, excuse me, I used to think, I used to think that um, I didn't take care of myself because I was depressed. And then I realized that I was depressed because I didn't take care of myself. Um, There is a lot of value in safe spaces. Um, and safe spaces have become a real trendy thing in the last couple of years. Um, the thing that I tell people is that safe spaces have a ceiling. Um, if you think about a safe space, it's, it's a space. Um, safe spaces have a ceiling. There is absolutely value in the, the safe space and in the safe space conversation, specifically on the topic of mental health. If, if, if you are facing adversity that requires a safe space or just a place that you can be honest with yourself or with others, um, if you're looking for that kind of vulnerability or transparent conversation, there are all kinds of brands that stand for that. As an advocate, I, I would, if I had to take a shot in the dark, I would say that 90% of mental health brands um, they, they represent the, um, the issues and the challenges and they are there as a safe space for people to be able to feel that community and to have that type of conversation. Um, it's incredibly important to, for people to feel that security because I think that conversation after you have identified something that you want to change, conversation is the next part of that formula. And so you have to be able to talk about those things. Um, I, I I mentioned to y'all earlier that that I'm empathetic, but empathy is definitely something that I've had to work on. And I and I think that um, life's experiences have have jaded me a little bit. I reflect back. I reflect back to an experience that I had at the gym that that Mark and I met at, and um, I was working out with with a girlfriend. Um, and she and I were, um, using the leg press. And so if you're using a leg press, you're, you're seated and you are pushing weight with your legs, but you're in a position where it feels like that weight could come crashing down on top of you. Um, I remember, I remember vividly that this, this girlfriend felt like the weight was going to fall on top of her. Hmm. And she became very anxious and, and 
nearly had a panic attack. And in that situation, I remember standing there and in a very jaded kind of way, just do it. I was like, push, you got one option, push. There's there's a safety here that's gonna protect the weight from falling on top of you, so push, what are you waiting for? And I remember having to lock that safety and um, this girl got off of the leg press and, and took me aside and said, I was on the verge of a panic attack and you you didn't, you didn't handle that very well. You were, you were very, you were, you were very rough around the edges and, and you're just push. And for me, I have kind of an insensitive approach sometimes where just like I said earlier, if you want it, go get it. Um, I recognize that that's not the most compassionate way to approach things. And so Mark, I think that it was really, um, I think it was really, uh, impactful that, that you spoke up in, in a compassionate way just a moment ago, because I don't know how much compassion people get when they when they listen to me speak. Um, but that's very much part of my personality. And that's something I have to work on. But I remember, I remember like the high school football coach where you would be like, yo, this I know this dude fought in Vietnam, but he's he's just an a-hole man. Like this guy feels like he wants to rip my face mask off and rub my face in the mud. Like, why is this guy so but I reflect back on on those coaches and I can understand a little bit more why they felt the way that they did um, because they knew that ultimately it, it, it comes down to you. So if you are in more of a coping state of mind, then you cope. If you're in a management state of mind, then you manage. Um, if you feel like you're drowning, you, you tread water to keep your head above um, water. Um, so let me ask you one question. If you feel like being a better swimmer, then you work on being a better swimmer. And That's Michael right. Phelps, that boy. <laughs> so I'm gonna ask you. I'm gonna ask you a question. We'll wrap up with this. Um, and I always ask this question. Uh, I ask Jen this question. I ask everyone this question uh, that comes on the podcast for the first time. So you have absolutely no idea this question's coming. Um, but it is kind of existential. Um, Ashley, if you got something, you can ask them too. You can chime in here at the end. But if you were to have uh, that microphone in front of you clicks on and you got 30 seconds and the entire world could hear you, but just 30 seconds, what would you say? Did it just click on? Yep, go. Three, two, one. I got 27 seconds. Um, I would tell people that mental health is valuable. Mental health is valuable. Mental health is valuable from enhancing lives to saving them my life changed when i learned to embrace mental health as valuable and to make it a priority and follow through on taking care of it it's hard life is hard yeah but even though circumstances matter so does our ability to influence them I'm a broken record. You're going to get the same message over and over again unless God gives me something different. But mental health is valuable. And it's important to address the issues. But there's another side to mental health. And when we recognize 
this foundational topic's value, that our mental health is foundational to our well-being, that our mental health is foundational to us succeeding, that our mental health is foundational to our happiness and finding joy in life. When you recognize that your mental health is foundational to more than illness and challenges, if that alone can't motivate you to make it a priority and follow through, then you may be in crisis. And if that's the case, then go get some help. Otherwise, I need you to recognize just how capable you are. And one of the best things that can prove to you how capable you are is figuring out what your strategy is when it comes to taking care of your mental health and following through on it. When I wake up in the morning and I make my bed, I look at my made bed just like Admiral McRaven told us, make your bed. You want to feel accomplished? Make your bed. There's a reason that that book is so popular. There's a reason that that speech is so popular. If you're looking for things, stop discounting the small steps. Small steps become great distances. And you can walk great distances in a circle, but when you make those steps constructive, when you actively work to build, grow, and develop, when you reflect on your experiences and when you understand that there is no amount of adjustments that are too much and the teams that win are the teams that go in and they watch the game film and they don't watch the game film to see themselves win they watch the game film to find the gaps and they look at things with a strategic type of transparency a strategic type of vulnerability and they evaluate their experiences and they say where can I improve where are the gaps and what do I have to do to fill them that's why teams watch game film that's why teams make adjustments and that's why teams win and if you treat your life that way and you understand that you are valuable that your mental health is valuable and there is no amount of adjustments that are too many then you're going to keep going after it you'll brush the dirt off your shoulder when you fall down you'll get back up you'll make those adjustments and you'll keep going and you'll turn those small steps into great distances not walking in circles but actually going somewhere and 30. You know. <laughs> Let's go. I have a final question um, really for both of you, for, for Blake and for Jen. Um, would you rather slide down a slide that was lined with razor blades into a pool of lemon juice? Not like a kiddie pool, but like a, like a full-on pool. And then you have to stay in the pool for five minutes. Or eat a hamburger. <laughs> Mark, you got to stop. Or eat a hamburger that's actually a person. Not like someone you know, but like a like a human that died of natural like causes. Like a human burger? <laughs> yeah, like a human that died of... And then, <laughs> type of question is this? It's a would you rather. <laughs> I used to do this game with students. We would do like, would you would you rather drive across the country in a monster truck or an army tank? What kind of question is this? You got you gotta you have to honor the fidelity of of, of the podcast question. Which by the way, I would rather drive across the country in a tank. I mean it would take a long time. That's not I the question at hand. Like that would be it's a cool. slide with razor blades into a kiddie pool of lemon juice. Or eat a human burger, like not anybody. Yeah, would know. You didn't have to kill this person. It's not. No. It's just you know they're already dead. You, I have questions yep, about these not, questions. No, you're not allowed. It's 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 a one or the other. Um, 
I've made you both really uncomfortable. Can, no, 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 I'm not sorry. at all. Can I use Can I use hot sauce? Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, you can use um, any condiments. A burger is really just a vehicle for thing? other stuff, like you know, condiments and mushrooms and delicious things. That's fine. You can put anything you want on the burger. Just the the meat patty has to be. Yeah, I'm, I'm putting she, hot sauce on my they. burger and doing that all day. I don't know what that weird booty <laughs> booty um, razor well, blade is, slide well, there, situation you explained. There is a caveat. When you go to eat the burger, there's a little name tag, and it says the name of the person. <laughs> oh, I couldn't do that then. Can't know the name. That's okay. And it just says Fred. Just like a short bio, like who their kids were. Oh, a small did, bio. What they did for a living. Yeah, just a short bio. And an email so. to say thank you to the family. <laughs> <laughs> Me and Ashlyn think this Only, is hysterical. There's a lot you, of additives are, to this all of a wow. sudden. You two are mortified, but this is regular I'm conversation. Not mortified. I just have questions. On the mark explains. <laughs> What have I done? I like it. I read. I read the room entirely wrong. No, that's so I at least got an answer from Blake. Jen, are you just you're just not going to participate? Here's the thing. I I have a lot of conditions on either one of those. (laughs) Oh no. I have to. I have to know. Is this okay? This person I'm eating, Fred. Did we say? Yeah. You know, if he's like, if he's like a super nasty guy, rapist, or something terrible, then I mean, like maybe, maybe. But like, I don't know. Am I conscious during sliding down the slide into the, the lemon juice? Like. I just have a lot of questions. It fully depends. conscious. Yeah, fully aware. Fully aware. Uh-huh. Yeah, and just micro cuts too. Like, you know, a, a 16th of an inch. Not anything to do really any harm. Just just, just enough like, yeah, to feel the lemon ones. juice. You know, I feel like that's kind of akin to you jumping into a frozen cooler of water after your hot tub. That was fun. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I guess I've never had that happen, so I, I couldn't tell you. But right off the bat, if I don't know if the guy I'm meeting, you know, deserves the death he had to make my burger. I guess I'd maybe go down a slide. Wait, hold up. The person in the burger was like expressly killed to be burger meat? <laughs> I mean, that's what I, he's insinuating, no, I no, think. No, like, oh, he no, He's making you a burger yeah. from a human. I assume he knows where it came from. Well, like from. leftovers. He didn't well, even Fred necessarily could have been die. could in a car accident or oh, something. Well, that, see, that changes yeah. things. I have to know these things. <laughs> he could have just removed a piece of himself to cook <laughs> for you. Like he could have, Oh, no. He could have cooked himself for you like a like that a, could be the like scenario a, like a steak yeah His left like oh you're hungry gone. hang on a minute this is a rather disturbing conversation but it i'm gonna still weird. i'm gonna still stick with the i appreciate <laughs> you engaging hot sauce on the burger all day i guess i'd go down the side well okay I'm, so pain, pain so makes it does kill you it just makes it stronger yeah so does burgers <laughs> yeah i love a good burger too man um as long as it comes with like hopcat crack fries oh my gosh those are so good. there's beer and fries included i'd be yeah. tempted yeah all right, guys. Thank you, Blake, for coming. I appreciate yeah, uh, your input, man. It was it was awesome. Uh, Jen, thank you so much for coming on. Um, got anything else, Ash? No, no. It was great to talk to you guys. Thanks for your thanks for your input. It's a good conversation, and uh, I just appreciate the value. Thank you very much. Appreciate y'all. See you guys. All right.